today on Ag News Daily. Delivering medication um, automatically instead of doing it manually. So ease of use is a big factor. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Tech Tuesday here on the Ag News Daily Podcast. My name is Delaney Howell, flying solo for today. Yesterday, of course, was President's Day. The markets were closed, so we took the podcast off. Hope everybody is ready to kick it in full gear this week. We've got a lot on the docket for Ag News. Got a lot going on this week. Next week, I'm actually heading to the Commodity Classic just for about 24 hours. But if anybody is going to be at Commodity Classic and would like to meet, like to meet up, shoot me a message on Twitter or on Facebook. You can find me at DelaneyHowell07 on Twitter. You can always shoot us a message at Ag News Daily. Going to be a fun time, I think. A quick little trip for me because I've got to get back to record Market to Market on Friday, but I am looking forward to going down there. I always like checking out the trade shows. I was at NCBA, of course, a couple weeks ago. That Commodity Classic. Now, those are probably my top favorite ag trade shows in the industry, so I'm excited for that. For today's Tech Tuesday interview, I encourage everybody to stay tuned for that. I'm catching up with David Edwards, who is the CEO and founder of AutoMed, which is kind of a end-all system for vaccinations, keeping track of dosage, weight-based dosage, really interesting stuff. And uh, he's an Australian, so we've got a cool accent. So I do encourage everybody to stay tuned for that. But back to the news for today. We, of course, know we're not in government shutdown. President Trump has signed that through. But it's now time for the folks in D.C. to essentially put together what's going to happen with the 2018 Farm Bill. They've got it funded. They need a more detailed implementation timeline. That can start to take shape here within the coming weeks with a series of USDA events and congressional hearings coming up. Um, We've got, of course, Senator Cory Booker's vegan diet. He has discussed that. He's announced his presidential run for... Uh, for president for 2020 as a, as a Democratic candidate. We've got other stuff going on in Washington, D.C. We've got, of course, the Green New Deal that we discussed uh, Friday, a couple weeks ago, as well as again last Friday. We're going to talk about that Green New Deal later this week in depth. Um, but from a President Trump standpoint, now that we've got that funded... We've definitely seen some fallout from the five-week shutdown, but what's next? So President Trump, of course we know, has uh, imposed tariffs on a lot of countries for steel and aluminum, including the EU. But the Commerce Department said on Sunday that they sent Trump a long-awaited report on whether auto imports are a threat to U.S. national security. The key question now is what's in those reports, and it doesn't sound like we're going to see what's in those reports come out unless, of course, they get leaked, which is always a possibility. But these new reports are important because it will prompt Trump to either slap new tariffs on cars and auto, it could make him decide to pull tariffs from some of the countries that we have in effect now, although I doubt that that's going to happen. He has about 90 days now from Sunday to make a decision on what to do with those tariffs. Um, And according to a couple of different studies, 
one of which done by the Center for Automotive Research, found that a blanket auto tariff just on any auto imports could threaten more than 366,000 jobs um, because the report considered 10 possible scenarios with the worst case resulting in an estimated $2,700 increase in the average price per car. So this report that they did was about 32 pages long. I'm not going to go through all of it. It was done, again, by the Center for Automotive Research. Just trying to see what the impacts would be here if we do put in uh, another round of tariffs, essentially. The U.S. imported about $360 billion worth of cars and auto parts in 2017, which is more than seven times the value of steel and aluminum imports because, as we know, steel and aluminum imports that President Trump put into effect are just on the raw materials. So we, we still can see countries importing aluminum and steel products like autos. So that's really what this report was aimed at searching, trying to see if it was a quote threat to national security. But European Commissioner President Jean Jean-Claude Juncker said on Monday that he expects President Trump to keep a promise that he made last year, which was that President Trump said he would not impose tariffs on European cars while the U.S. and the EU pursue trade negotiations. He said if President Trump does impose tariffs, the EU will, quote, no longer feel bound by our commitments to buy more U.S. soybeans. So definitely don't want to see that happen. But we do see U.S.-China trade talks continuing this week in Washington, D.C. President Trump was pretty quick last week to say that the meetings in Beijing went well. He acknowledged in a statement that much work remains, but he did say that they are continuing to have discussions, and we know that they're in D.C. this week to chat. We've got that March 1st deadline looming, but the President tweeted over the weekend, quote, big progress is being made in the talks. And on Monday, Secretary Perdue said that some of the headway in negotiations has been to get China to lift ag barriers or barriers on U.S. ag products. And he said, quote, I think we can make real progress with China on ag issues, but it has to be real reform with an enforceability component. So one thing I think will be interesting uh, kind of in the midst of all of this is one of the one of the uh, WTO proposals that the U.S. has put forward. The United States, along with a couple of other countries, but really headed up by the United States, proposed a reform um, at the World Trade Organization on Friday that would slash the number of countries that are eligible for special and differential treatment, which is largely resisted by China, India, and other countries. As we know, China and India and a bunch of other countries are considered developing countries. But the United States' complaint is that the w that WTO members can essentially self-designate yourself. So China basically self-designates themselves as a developing country, which entitles them to a range of benefits and pretty lenient treatment at the WTO. Most of the WTO's 164 members claim to be developing, including China, India, South Korea, Saudi Arabia, Brunei, Hong Kong, Qatar, and Oman, which are some of the world's richest countries. So 
a lot of the special and differential treatments include longer time periods for implementing agreed commitments, measures to increase trading opportunities, and twice the amount of agricultural subsidies available to developed countries. So the U.S. put forward a draft here, posted that on Friday, but that's definitely going to continue to poke the bear, I would say, if the U.S. really is pushing to get this through, pushing to see China and India and some of these other countries be classified as non-developing, which, I mean, if you're number one, finding number one and number two for the world economy, I personally don't think that you're a developing nation, but we will see what comes from that. I think that's going to continue to take off the Chinese as we're, as we're negotiating with them, but that is another thing on the docket that just happened pa- this past Friday. As we know, we got disaster, we got uh, the, the funding for at least another six months here before another government shutdown happens. But Purdue said that he's going to continue to push Congress to approve that $3 billion in agricultural disaster. That was not part of the package that was signed into law by Congress. But that $3 billion was really to help the folks hit by hurricanes, wildfires, a lot of it in his home state of Georgia. They left that spending package out to avert a partial government shutdown and produce that it's extremely disappointing. Most producers were led to believe that this was a done deal, and I'm hoping we can make sure it's a done deal very, very quickly in the near future. So he said he's going to continue to push Congress on that and see what he can get done. As we know, a lot of producers are feeling tighter balance sheets, tighter budgets this year, and a lot of that is coming from lenders. The Federal Reserve put together kind of a little bit of a study here and showed that lenders in areas of the country where producers have been hit the hardest by tariffs expect a further decline in farm income and capital spending this year. The Federal Reserve Bank of Minneapolis reports that three out of every four lenders are citing continued low commodity prices as their number one concern this year followed by trade and interest rate increases. It's the same story in the Chicago Fed District, which stretches from Iowa to Indiana and Michigan. Lenders there expect capital expenditures to be lower this year compared to the most recent year. And the Federal Reserve Bank of Kansas City says demand for farm loans remains high as farm finances continue to deteriorate. And a final study done by the St. Louis Fed found that two-thirds of ag bankers believe that local economic conditions will remain the same, while a third expect conditions to worsen over the next year or so. So not good news there as well. That is pretty much it for today in the way of news. Searching here really quickly through the rest of my notes, but I think that pretty much does it for today. Let's hop over and look at the commodity markets, and unfortunately, they were not excited about news of Chinese trade talks this year. Definitely had a lot of red on the screen. Uh, For those folks that are going to be at the Commodity Classic, I encourage you to reach out to the folks over at the Zayner Group. They are also going to be there. I know Ted Seifert and Matt Zayner, the owner of the company, will be there. So give them a call today if you want to schedule them. You can also hit up Ted on Twitter at the Ted Spread. I know he responds pretty quickly to those. So if you like an in-person discussion about what to do with your marketing plan, hit them up at the Commodity Classic. But if not, you can always give them a call at 312-277-0050. Hopping over into the grain markets for today. 
March corn. We broke that resistance level of 370 with the March corn contract today, closing down five cents at 369 and three quarters. The May down four and three quarters cents at 378 even. The soybean pits, they had quite a swing today, down 10 cents at one point in the day, but only closed down on the day, six and three quarters cents to end at nine dollars and three quarters cent, while the May dropped seven cents to end at 914 and a half. The wheat pit continues to drop. After last week's drops, we saw 14 and a half cents close down on the day today at 489 and three quarters, while the May down 14 and three quarters to close at 492 and a quarter. Looking over to the livestock pits, the story is a little brighter here with the February cattle contract up a dollar twenty-five to close at one twenty-seven eighty-seven and a half, while the April up a dollar twenty-seven and a half to close at one twenty-eight forty-five. In the feeder cattle pits, the March contract up a dollar fifteen at one forty-three seventy-five, while the April up seventy-seven and a half cents to close at one forty-six even. The lean hog pits had a limit down day across the board. The April contract down three dollars at fifty-six fifty-two and a half, while the May limit down at sixty-five dollars and forty-five cents. And rounding out our markets with the Class 3 dairy markets. Green across the screen with the February contract up a penny to close at $13.98, while the March up $0.18 cents to close at $14.71. And as I mentioned, today's interview is with David Edwards, CEO and founder of AutoMed. For today's Tech Tuesday interview, I am catching up with David Edwards, who is the CEO and founder of AutoMed. David, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. I appreciate it. Thank you. So David, obviously, uh, cats out of the bag, you have an Australian accent and AutoMed, the company that you founded, originally started in Australia. Why did you start it in Australia and then decide to transition it into the US? I originally developed the concept back in 2008. However, started the actual company back in 2012 in Australia, and the big focus back then was very much around doing weight-based dosing with the sheep industry. It was in 2013, I actually started doing a lot of work with pharmaceutical companies and really understanding what the requirement was moving forward. And it came very apparent that, you know, compliance and traceability of medication use was a big factor that they were all looking at. It wasn't predominantly seen in the industry, to be seen as a big factor back then, as it is now. And so I started down the path of really, you know, redeveloping the original concept into a complete medication and traceability platform. In 2016, um, we launched the product in January 2016, didn't get much traction in the Australian market. And I was actually discussing with my father who informed me that I should seriously look at, you know, going over to Des Moines and doing the World Pork Expo. So we went into the World Pork Expo in 2016. We ended up actually getting a lot of response from the U.S. pork industry. And with that, we decided to start, you know, basically taking some of these opportunities we had in the U.S. and actually really driving them. And because of that, we ended up finding we were getting a lot more success in America than we were in Australia. And we then made the decision to found AutoMed USA. Um, and it just sort of transitioned over the last two years to basically, you know, developing the company further in the USA. We started to get some sales in Australia, um, not to the level that we're seeing both in the US and Europe. And a decision was made to actually um, move all the operations over to America and actually really focus on the American market, plus also develop our manufacturing and assembly facility here as well. 
Awesome. That's quite the story. So you mentioned hogs, cattle, and sheep. Those are the three areas you focus on. Give me the 10,000 foot view then of what is AutoMed. How, if I'm a producer, how am I using that in my operation? So depending on the type of livestock and the focus, there's two key areas that we see the system gets used. In cow-calf operations or sheep operations, we generally find people are using it for ergonomics. So basically, you know, delivering medication um, automatically instead of doing it manually. So ease of use is a big factor. And we see that also in the commercial industries as well, especially in pork and poultry. Um, and the other aspect we see is obviously weight-based dosing with the cow, calf and sheep operations. So we've seen with some operations where they're saving up to 25% of weight-based medications across their operation, depending on how they're delivering the medication. And then on the other spectrum, you get the other type of client, which is very focused on the compliance and traceability. So doing everything from, you know, medication inventory management, right through to prescription management, and then getting right down into full treatment records, treatment tracing, but also getting down into full data in terms of understanding exactly what animals delivered what medication, and then getting right down into medication efficiency. So you've got quite a broad spectrum where you see the actual system being used. And when you say weight-based, how is that working? Are you having sensors that are hooked up to a scale that then send data to, I mean, it's a gun essentially that you're using to actually mm -hmm. deliver the medication? Yeah, so the weight-based dosing works. So we've got a number of integration partners that develop um, scale heads for weighing livestock. And we've integrated their system directly into the AutoMed platform. So when an animal walks onto a set of scales, the weight's then automatically transferred to our system. And then we actually automatically adjust the dose and then deliver that dose to the animal. And at the same time, we also then do things like recording the actual what drug it was, who delivered the drug, what the weight of the animal was, what the dose delivered to the animal, but then also validation in looking at how the drug was delivered and making sure the drug was delivered properly as well. And you mentioned a little bit earlier, and I know it's a, a staple on your website, traceability, which right now in the beef industry, especially the National Cattlemen's Association, has been pushing this idea of traceability. Walk me through how that works then with your system. So depending on, depending on the region, um, some, some producers use RFID tags in their livestock, which makes the traceability aspect a lot easier. So effectively... You know, when, when you have the AutoMed system, it has a built-in RFID reader, so you can scan the um, animal's RFID tag, and then as once the RFID tag has been read, you then deliver the drug directly to the animal. And so by doing that, you're actually tying the medication dose directly to the RFID tag and then recording that in our system. In other operations, um, especially in the pork industry, where they do a lot more batch dosing, so it's based on the pen, um, we actually tie the treatments directly to that batch of animals, so there might be 40 pigs in a pen, You'll go in there, do 40 treatments, um, but the pen might have like a, just a number or an RFID tag. We'll actually utilize that number as the record for them tying that medication together. So as you're going around and injecting each animal, we're actually recording each animal's treatment and then tying it back to that identifier. And then other operations where they don't use any sort of RFID tags or identification, it's more done as a farm as a whole. So, you know, whatever treatments are being used on the farm are being recorded but more so as a holistic approach, not so much as an individual animal approach. Right, that makes sense. So with this system, AutoMed, do you need to have the RFID tags for each animal? No, you don't. It really comes back to what the operation is trying to do as a operation. 
So you see some operations that are very heavy on export, so they very much focus down right down the individual animal. Then you get other operations that are more focused on just complying with the minimum requirements in the industry. So a lot of sheep producers like we have in Australia are just very much focused on, you know, making sure that they're recording what treatments they're using on the farm, not so much on the animal. So there's no actual ID identification utilised where you have other operations where they're fully utilising the ID aspect of the animal and then tying all records to that ID to make sure that at the end of the day when that animal's transferred or goes off for processing, that they've got a full life record of everything that's happened to that animal. Walk me through then, David, on the website you've got the app, you've got the web portal, and it says integrating into your current management systems. When you look at the data side of things, what information is the producer getting other than obviously the animal and the dosage? What other things can they see from a data perspective? So the treatment, each treatment record stores around about 60 data points on every treatment record. So we record everything from who the user was, time of day, temperature. Um, we also record the drug, the batch number of the drug. We record all the details of the device being used as well. So that way you've got a full traceability of um, everything that's actually going on with that treatment. And we're also recording how the treatment's being delivered to the animal as well. So effectively understanding you know, how a treatment's being delivered to then identify things like incomplete doses, or doses haven't been delivered properly, but also identifying doses that have been identified, delivered properly as well. Other, other sorts of data we do manage a lot now through our platform is on the inventory management side. And we see a lot of veterinary groups and also large operations going this way as well, where instead of just you know doing treatment records with the medication you've bought, you're actually doing full inventory management on your farm as well. So as medications being shipped to you or supplied to you on a prescription or just even if you buy it from your local store, you'll actually then enter that into the Automed system as inventory and the inventory will then be managed within Automed as well. So as inventory is being used, it's got full traceability on the actual inventory being used as well. And on bigger operations where you've got multiple sites, you may have a warehouse that actually stores all the medication. The inventory management system also works a bit like FedEx in the sense that as sites around the operation become low, it will automatically send requests off to the main warehouse that, you know, medication's running low and the, op the warehouse can then basically ship, ship replacement medication to that site but then track how that's actually being delivered as well to make sure there's no missing inventory and inventory is going to the right location. And other aspects too is medication compliance. So making sure that, you know, at a certain point in an animal's life when certain medication can't be used because of withholding period, um, we also control that through the inventory management as well. So if a site, for instance, requests a certain medication and the animals are a certain age, then the warehouse will get notified that that's out of the scope. Um, and so certain medic so it protects the actual operation as well. And we're seeing that starting to happen a lot more with antibiotics. So where sites are trying to go antibiotic free, they're actually looking at utilising the inventory management to really make sure that when certain sites go antibiotic free, they can actually fully control the inventory going in and out of that site to make sure no antibiotics are going in there at all. Wow, that is fascinating stuff. Okay, David, I've got to ask, um, because I know we've got a lot of livestock producers that listen to the podcast, what's the cost or what do I need to set up a system like this on my own operation? And is there a point where it makes sense to have this or it doesn't make sense based on my livestock size, my herd size? So 
if if you're a cow calf and sheep producer, your biggest focus is going to be very much around weight based dosing and ergonomics. So you're looking at 1,350 just for the device, and the adapters that clip on the front um, are around $35 each. On the Essentials app, the Essentials app is actually free, and what that allows a person to do is actually dial in a dose and do weight-based dosing, but doesn't have any of the treatment record aspects. And then you've then got the Enterprise platform. The Enterprise platform is designed to work in operations that are really trying to do full compliance and traceability, and that works out at $49 per enterprise and then $10 per site. And a site would actually be, for instance, a shed or a location where it actually has its own medication inventory. So, for instance, on a feedlot um, where you have a processing section and a hospital section, that'd be classed as two sites. Or in a piggery where you have multiple sheds, each one of those sheds would be classed as a site. So it's more done as a farm structure um, subscription method, not so much as an individual user method. Um, and in terms of the actual devices, if you're only buying one device, it's obviously 1350 But for larger operations that are buying multiple devices, then obviously we come down a lot more in the prices for bulk orders. Absolutely. That makes total sense. So with the commercialization and rolled out here in the United States, what have you had customers say as far as feedback goes? Or have you done any research that shows that you've had efficiency or um, better medication practices? I mean, what what kind of feedback have you gotten from this device? So we've done a bit of work down in Texas um, with certain um, case studies to really understand what the saving is on weight-based medication. And the feedback so far is with large feedlot operations where they're processing anything from 500 to 1,000 head um, either a day or even up to, say, two or 3,000 head a week, the return on investment is usually between a week to two weeks based on the savings they saw with weight-based medication. Um, in small operations such as you know cow, calf and sheep operations, we've found that the return on investment has been anywhere between three to six months, depending on the size of the operation and the number of head they have. And in piggeries, we're finding that the return on investment, especially vaccination crews, is more so an administrative time. We've found that vaccination crews have actually been able to cut their actual medication um, delivery times down by half. So instead of taking four hours to inject, say, 3,000 animals, they've done it in two hours and still done it quite effectively compared to conventional methods. Other feedback's been on um, fixed-dose medication where the dose is set at like a standard one or two mil. We've actually had a lot of feedback that they've found that dosing for each animal was a lot more accurate where it convert, compared to manual delivery devices. So this... This is an area that we've found that we're getting a lot of response on and a lot of feedback on. In some industries where compliance is extremely regulated um, in some areas of the world, we've had a lot of good feedback come back to us about the fact that they've been able to look at automating their medication treatment records and go away from conventional manual entry methods, whether it's been into a phone app, um, a laptop, or you know, writing on a bit of paper. Huh, that is extremely fascinating. David, final question for you. For folks listening that think, maybe I need to check out this auto med system or have questions, where should they head? So the best place to go is our website, which is automed.io, um, or even just call our office in Huxley. Um, we've got a full sales and support team here that's more than happy to answer anyone's questions. And we've also just rolled out our new onboarding platform that allows potential customers to actually 
jump online and actually get a full online demo with one of our tech support people so to fully understand and outline the system and the benefits it provides. Awesome. David, thank you so much. Thank you. Well, again, that was David Edwards there with AutoMed. Fascinating stuff for today's Tech Tuesday. I love that. I love getting emails and Twitter messages and Facebook messages. That one actually came uh, through an old contact of mine. So big thanks to Brooke German for getting that arranged. Folks, if you have ideas, if you have something you'd like to share on the podcast, please feel free to reach out to me on Facebook, on Twitter. Shoot us an email. You can find us at Ag News Daily. You can also shoot us a note through our new website, globalagnetwork.com. There's contact forms there. You can shoot me an email directly from that website. Be sure to check it out if there's things in the world of agriculture that you think we should be covering. With that, folks, I will see you all right back here tomorrow. (laughs) 